This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's Chris-a-mania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, oh, with the powerful questions. <laughs> Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Oh, man, here it is. Here we go. What a week. Woo, what a week to be a pro wrestling fan. What a week for wrestling in general. Wow, I uh, just got back from Washington, D.C., where uh, maybe you saw it. Maybe you were watching Dynamite. I had the incredible honor of being part of the first ever episode of AEW Dynamite on TNT and what a show man still jacked up about it from from start to finish from top to bottom uh what a show and it was fantastic I'm just so excited to see where things go from here and and also what this means for the pro wrestling industry as a whole I mean ever since the start of the year you know I've been saying it uh rising tides lift all boats and the winners here are the fans of whatever company it is you decide to watch on whatever day of the week that it is that you decide to watch it. It's awesome. So I've been chatting with Aubrey Edwards on Instagram for a while now, and since I was part of Dynamite, that meant that we were in the same city at the same time, and we were able to make this interview happen the morning of Dynamite. Uh, And she's so awesome, uh, and I know you're going to take so many different things out of this chat. It's a great one. I, and I appreciate all the support you guys have been giving me uh, and the, the support you've been giving me on the show as well. Uh, it means so much to me that we can connect on this common ground that is pro wrestling, this common interest that we have. And uh, I appreciate all the reviews you guys have been leaving on Apple Podcasts, uh, on iTunes. It's It helps the show so much. I know I say this every episode, but it helps the show so much. So please uh, continue leaving them. And if you haven't left one, one yet, Please, it'll take you about 27 seconds to do this. And I'm going to keep reading a review on the show so you can be part of the show and I can shout you out like the Alex Albro, who says major CVV Stan five star review. Thank you, Alex Albro. The show was this show was what got me into podcasts in general. Honestly, I found CVV in the summer while working and haven't stopped listening since. One thing I love about these podcasts is how rewatchable or re-listenable they are. I've gone back through and listened to some of these pods multiple times just for fun. Keep up the great work, man. I look forward to who you will talk with next in the future. How nice is that? Thank you. And thank you for the extra plays by watching or listening to it more than once. It's awesome. Uh, So please keep leaving the reviews. Um, It means a lot to me if you could uh, take the time to do that. And also subscribe if you haven't done that yet. I also couldn't do this without our main sponsor, our OG sponsor, Green Roads. And if you've been thinking about trying CBD products, Green Roads is the way to go. Because not all CBD products are created equal. I mean, 
You've heard a lot about CBD. You've heard a lot about this boom. And uh, Green Roads is the real deal. They are a pharmacist-founded company dedicated to improving the lives of people who take it. And CBD products, yes, they are THC-free. So it's all of the other ingredients without THC in it. For me, a couple of drops of the CBD oil under the tongue, bloop, bloop. Just like that, little drops, bloop, bloop, and uh, you're good to go. And uh, it's really helped me a lot with my rest and recovery after the gym and also with kind of taking your brain from everything that's going on in there and, you know, kind of straighten things out just a little bit. Uh, use my code CHRIS15 to get 15% off your order at GreenRoadsWorld.com. That's CHRIS15 for 15% off at GreenRoadsWorld.com. The show is also brought to you by Samson Technologies. I couldn't do it without them because I would not have a microphone to be speaking into or any recording equipment to be recording with. And a lot of people ask, uh, what kind of equipment do I need to start a YouTube channel or a podcast? I would start with SamsonTech.com. Um, not only because it sounds really great, like you can hear now and you can hear in this interview, but also because it's uh, very affordable. SamsonTech.com is where you can check out their full lineup. So referees have a really interesting role. I mean, it's, it's this fine balance between getting their job done and also fading into the background so that the wrestlers can really shine. Aubrey has a ton of personality, a pretty amazing story, too, about how she got to where she's at. She was working in the video game world for 10 years before this. Uh, it blew me away. It's going to blow you away, too, that she's only been a referee for two years, and now she's working the biggest matches in AEW. But at the heart of this is a story about setting goals and chasing dreams, which can really be applied to any area of your life. Uh, also, you should check out the uh, interview on YouTube if just to see the thumbnail. It's awesome. And as soon as you see it, you'll be like, oh, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about, CVV. So here you go. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy it. It's Aubrey Edwards. Okay. Today's a big day. Very big. Yeah. Very, very big. It's like we've all been working towards this. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the four shows leading up to this point, it's like it's it keeps getting bigger. Yeah. And I'm curious when that feeling's gonna like stop or if it's ever gonna stop. Why would it stop? I know, like I, I don't want it to. Yeah. <laughs> but I think like my heart kind of wants it to because I'm just <laughs> still like nervous every time we do a show. It's crazy. It's been four shows leading up to this. Yeah. Now there's gonna be four shows this month. Oh my God, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. Ah. You didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been interesting trying to figure out what like normal is now because my last job was like a Monday to... Friday office nine to five. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, oh, I went to work yesterday, which is like going to the airport, <laughs> flying all day, and then Wednesday is a show, and then Thursday's going back. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is what normal is. Yeah. Now. So the work week now, as we do quotations for people who are just listening to this, is Tuesday to Thursday, I guess. Right. And then occasional Saturday for sure. pay per views. But yeah, yeah. it's. I'm interested to see how this ends up changing as, you know, we have the same conversation a year from now and two and five, you know, yeah. as, as schedules continues to ramp up, I would think. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely interested to see where this goes, just because like if you look at what was it, October, so 10 months like this was originally just an idea. And I'm sure they were talking <laughs> about it before January. But sure. Like, to know that it's gotten this big in 10 months, yeah. like what's the next 10 months going to look yeah. like? It's just. It's fascinating. And it's, you know, it's live tonight on TNT. <sighs> Even yeah. though we've been live every other time, it's like, I think maybe just because it's cable. Like, because my in-laws are texting me like, I saw you on a commercial. And I'm like, yeah, yeah it's real. Like, yeah. I've been telling you for months, this is a thing. Is that when it got real? Uh, I think it got real, like... 
there's that moment where uh so the refs kind of come down the side ramp and then we hop in the ring yeah and then as soon as at least this is for me i don't know where it's real for other people but like when the music hits for the first person that's the moment of like oh here we go okay (laughs) we're doing this this is real page is coming out on a horse now (laughs) 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 so yeah that's that's when it's real for me and then like as soon as the bell rings it's just it's just work yeah well how did this all (laughs) how did this all come together for you oh god uh do you want to talk about like ref specific or like aew specific let's let's talk aew and then we'll get into the other stuff after like okay you've been refing in the indies for a couple of years for like two years yeah which is that's pretty crazy yeah it went fast yeah what what do you remember the date or at least the idea of when your first match was uh july 7th 2017 okay that's very specific yeah Well, it was like I said, I had my like two year ref birthday yeah. a couple months ago. I uh, I had a show on my birthday. I always try to like ref a match on my birthday just to like keep it going. So, yeah, it's like it's a, I celebrate that more than I celebrate my actual birthday. Well, I, I mean, that probably makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's it's That's a, a life changing thing. It's a part of who I am now. Right. Yeah. Like it's it was a hobby and then now it's my career. So it's part of my identity. Yeah. So it's a, it's an important day. Like I definitely bought myself some birthday cake ice cream. Nice. What's, I know. what's the go-to ice cream flavor? Um, so Halo Top has a really good birthday cake. Uh, my current favorite, because I went vegan right before Double or Nothing. So finding like a good ice cream is really hard mm-hmm. because a lot of them are really gritty. Yeah. Uh, my favorite brand so far is, is So Delicious. Because the, they use yeah. cashew milk. Yeah. And it's, it's so good. It's not, but let's be honest. It doesn't quite taste like ice cream. You know, like Ben and Jerry's was like my jam. So, <sighs> Jeez, yeah. yeah. And I know they've got non-dairy, but it's... It's not quite there. Yet. Yeah. Not quite there. So you were not even two years into this when things came together with AEW. Correct. So basically kind of what happened, it was uh, like right place, right time. Mm-hmm. Like just purely like happenstance that it happened. Um, it was December of last year and I was working a show up in Vancouver uh, All Star Wrestling, best city on earth. Oh man, it's so great! I lived there for a year. Yeah, I'm from Canada. Oh, nice! Yeah. I love Canada. I've been working up in Canada for a good chunk of the last two years. So. I'm sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. I don't actually. No one in Canada actually talks like that. <laughs> they all talk like sorry, that. What everyone. are you talking no. about? No, they're not. <laughs> Take a boot to the face. <laughs> that yeah, one's always yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. So you're working in Vancouver. So, so I was working in Vancouver. It was just like some show in December or whatever, and like Frankie Kazarian was there. I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. Like, I think he was like Ring of Honor tag champ at the time. So like he had the belt. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is nuts. Because like anytime like I work with someone who's like a name, it's still exciting. Right. Because they've reached a different level. So I know I'm going to learn a lot out of it. Of course. Um, But yeah, so we worked the match together and, you know, he he apparently really liked what I did. And he was asking my background a little bit. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like I. I did May Young Classic last year. Um, I've done a little bit of work with WWE. Um, so it's I was talking about that a little bit. And we were just like, oh, yeah, cool. Just having like a normal conversation, not realizing that like two weeks later, AEW gets announced. Oh, like, yeah. This was oh, a this job interview. I was like, oh, this is a plot twist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And funny enough, it was, I think it was the 12th of January. I did another show up in Canada. And there was a couple guys that ended up getting pulled from the show because of contract-related things. And Frankie Kazarian got booked to, like, fill in the spot. I'm like, huh. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a chance on this one. So I end up working with him again. And he asked for all my information. I mean, at this point, like, AEW is a thing. Like, mm. we know it's a thing. Yeah. Um, literally a week later, I'm working at Defy in Seattle, and all of SCU is on the show. And that was the one where the Young Bucks show up. 
they saved Joey Ryan. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was, I think, like the first one of those stretches. Um, so I worked the match with SCU, and then as soon as I get through the curtain, we start talking double or nothing, and then it's just boom, 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 boom. Wow. Yeah, it was it was nuts. So I've, I had known for a while before it had gotten announced, which yeah. is like when you know like a secret, but you can't tell anyone. <laughs> it's like the worst part of wrestling where it's like, <laughs> I know all of these cool things, but I can't tell you. <laughs> but you just recently said goodbye to your day job. Right, yeah. I uh, I was working in software for the last 10 years. I was a video game producer. Which is also like pretty awesome. Yeah, like I, it's not a lot of people get their like dream job once, but I got it <laughs> twice. <laughs> so. so what do you, I mean, I think some people might know that you worked in video gaming, but what, right. what specifically were you doing? Uh, I originally started as a programmer. So like my first couple games I was working on like tools pipeline. Um, I worked on a lot of stuff on like Nintendo DS at the time. So you have very little uh, memory space, but you have to stick a whole lot of sure. art in there. So like uh, basically writing tools that allow you to take these big art images and put them into little tiny ones and zeros. Wow. Um, and then eventually I went into production, uh, which is essentially you're the person who's herding cats and putting the schedule together. <laughs> Um, and defining like what it is that we're doing. Like if a publisher says we want these specific things on this date, then it's my job to break down what goes into all of that and make sure that we have the right people to do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a lot of like, honestly, there's a lot of crossover with refing because like there's nothing that I do in a video game where I point out and say I did that because all of my stuff is on a schedule and mm -hmm. I can't like print out a schedule and stick it in the box. It, like that's not how I ship anything. Sure. So to say that I'm a ref, like I'm there to help other people be successful. Yeah. So a lot of what I did in my prior career, I kind of took over that same philosophy and brought that to wrestling. Our, our video game, um, like when you work at a place where you're making video games, is it as fun as people think? Uh, <laughs> people are like, you get to play games all day. I'm like, yeah, but the game's broken for like three years. <laughs> like right up until the very end. And then even then it's like day one patch. <laughs> like remember the movie Grandma's Boy? Oh, that was my college. Like, like okay. verbatim almost. Like, okay. like uh, I used to compete in DDR. We don't talk about that very much. <laughs> Um, that was many, many years ago. Um, but like, you definitely have like the guy in the trench coat with like the 10 monitors who's just leaning back and like typing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then like, it's, it's, it's over the top and it's, uh, a parody, but I mean, it's parody for a reason. There's, there's a lot of people. <laughs> so what, do you have a favorite video game? Uh, I'm a big Legend of Zelda fan. Uh, I'm actually playing the Link's Awakening remake right now. Okay. Uh, that's why I didn't get enough sleep last night because I just finished the seventh dungeon. Um, but yeah, like uh, Zelda was the game that made me want to make video games. Like, oh, wow. I think I've played through Ocarina of Time like 18 times. I've played through, all, yeah, yeah, I'm a huge wow. Zelda nerd. What, do you have a favorite system? Oh, God. Um, I think my favorite, like current favorite is the Switch because I okay. feel like it's done everything that I loved out of Nintendo Portables but made it accessible and it allows you to bring something powerful with you on the road, right? Um, I was a big N64 fan. Like Diddy Kong Racing, yeah. Banjo-Kazooie, GoldenEye, Mario 64, yeah. like that was my childhood. Yeah, so you've said goodbye to the video game world now. I have, well if anything, like now I can like do it as a hobby. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm basically just swapping. You right? are. <laughs> I, yeah. can do, I can do video game making on the weekend yeah. and then do roughing during the week. Yeah. What is my life, man? What is your, <laughs> isn't this pretty crazy? It's weird. Yeah. It's super weird. But like if we take things back just a little bit, you were also like doing some stuff for WWE before, which is yeah. you would have only been a year-ish into your reffing career. That was basically like, uh, I think they originally reached out to me like a week before my like one year ref birthday. Okay. Uh, so that was like, 
okay, this is this is weird, and this happened fast. And I think at that point, I hadn't really thought about this as a potential career. I was just having fun, and like I, I always tend to pour like a hundred percent into whatever it is I'm doing anyway. So by that point, I was already doing two to three shows every weekend, but it hadn't like clicked that oh, this could be a thing. Well, because when you're when you're year in and you're doing two or three shows, you're not making a ton of money. No, it's like you're making like twenty bucks. Yeah, like maybe you're selling merch as a ref, like. There's, yeah. there's a possibility there, but it's like you're maybe breaking even Yeah. because like, I'm buying Taco Bell after the shows. I've got gas I need to pay for. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, at this point I'm doing it for the fun of it. I'm not doing it to pay my bills. But uh, they reached out to me because they were looking for another female ref for the Mae Young Classic. And so I went, I tried out. They liked me enough that they put me on TV, which was insane. Um, and I learned a lot from them just because it's a massive company with a lot of history They've learned a lot of lessons that they apply. Their ref team adapts to all of the different platforms they have. So I I think a lot of my current success I have to attribute to them just because mm -hmm. like the ref team down at NXT was fantastic. What's a tryout like? Do you actually go in and ref a, a dark match? So like my tryout was a little interesting because like you see videos of tryouts online where it's like a bunch of people and they're all doing roles and stuff. Yeah. Whereas I think right. my tryout, I was the only one there. And then on top of that, I show up Monday and they're like, oh, yeah, just uh, get into your workout clothes. We've, we've got yoga this morning. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then I go downstairs <laughs> and there's DDP. And I'm like, oh, oh, this is what we're doing. OK. <laughs> so literally my tryout was like, I'm going to do like DDPY for a week. Uh, and then I got thrown into a couple classes, learn how to ref. Uh, they have drills. Uh, and I ended up doing a dark match at NXT that week because it was a taping week. Um, so yeah, that was essentially my tryout is just kind of see how I fit with the team, how quickly I learn, how quickly I can adapt. Yeah. Uh, because you never know what a locker room is going to be like. And a lot of it is you have this great you know, product that you're trying to do, but you really want good people behind it. Right. And that's like one of the things I really love about AEW is like everyone involved with the product is just so awesome. Mm -hmm. Like it's a real, it feels like an indie locker room. Whereas everyone's just chill, super. Like, I haven't met a single person I don't like. Yeah. Everyone's cool. <laughs> <laughs> now, is it is it interesting from, for you to be a year-ish in having this amazing success? Because there's got to be part of you that's going, this must happen to everybody. Uh, no, like, <laughs> I, I, I knew full well that I was the anomaly. And I think part of that, too, is, like... Like, secrets out. I'm a woman, right? And there's not a lot of us. You are? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so I think that's, uh, I definitely uh, got a lot of opportunities, you know, simply because I'm a woman. But sure. I ended up getting the jobs because I'm talented. So that's sort of the difference there, right? And it's like, it's an entertainment field. We see people who we want to have them fit a certain role. Like, uh, like Marco Stunt, for instance. He's like my favorite example. Like, uh, he fits a very particular mold that a mm -hmm. lot of people maybe wouldn't be looking for for their wrestling company, but he's something that AEW wants. Yeah. So if you find someone or you're looking for someone to fit that role, then that's where the opportunity is, right? So the fact that WWE was looking for more female refs, like I think it's just the timing of it. Sure. Honestly, it, like this wouldn't have happened. No, not at years all. ago. Not at all. So yeah. it's like I'm. I basically got into it right at the right time. So it's not lost on me that like the amount of success I've had in two years, like that's not normal at all. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really super grateful for that. And there's a lot of things that needed to line up in order for that to happen. But, you know, I'm pretty dang happy with the way things well, turned out. And you've, <laughs> and you've been breaking <laughs> through barriers. Yeah. And, you know, you've 
whether you know it or not, you become a role model for a lot of women oh, out there that are watching. Oh, yo, I, I know it. I have like messages from parents like almost every day where they're wow. just like, my daughter gets to watch wrestling and she gets to see this strong, authoritative woman on TV, like putting Jericho in his place. <laughs> and like there was this one uh, dad who tweeted at me and he said, my daughter said, look, dad, if I become a ref, I can ref the important matches too. Wow. And I'm just like, I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm not crying at all. But that's like the interesting thing, right? Is like now there's this, it's one thing to be on TV, but I think that's the pressure I feel more mm. because it's like now I have to be consistent because I know that there's all these people like looking up to me that potentially want to ref. Like I have a student currently who saw me at Double or Nothing and she's like, wait, she's from Seattle. So she drives up three hours every week to train with me. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's like people like this now who like really didn't think about this as before. And, you know, AEW says wrestling is for everyone. Like we've seen it, representation matters. There's a yeah. lot of girls now who didn't think roughing was a possibility. Yeah. Who are seeing me, who are seeing Jess, who are seeing all these other women kind of like come to the forefront in their black and white stripes. Yeah. And we're seeing it as like something that we can have a lot of women do now. Well, there was a point where it was, okay, you're a woman, you will ref the women's matches. Right. Or you will, you're a woman commentator, you will commentate on the women's matches. Right. And I feel like a lot of that has to do with also there's a unique picture there. Like on the indies, the first time I'd work with a company, I always ended up getting the women's match. And part of it is how often do you have that picture where literally everyone in the ring is a woman? Like it's a very unique thing. Mm -hmm. So I think from an entertainment standpoint, it makes sense. Sure. Um, and I mean, like there's a lot of badass women that I don't mind working with, so it's not like I'm <laughs> complaining, right? Right. Um, but I think it's as people realized, like, you're not going to hire this one ref for a single like single or two matches on the show, right? Like yeah. you're going to give me like half the show the same way you give the other ref half the show because it's better for your dollar. Of course. Uh, as a promoter. So for me, I'm like, you know, I'll just do whatever. Yeah. And every match is different. Like who knows what it is, right? I did an indie show this weekend that was like uh, Orange Cassidy versus Sue Young, which was just hilarious. <laughs> and then immediately following that was Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler in this like grappling shoot fight. So it's like to have that like immediate juxtaposition of matches, like even on a wrestling card. Yeah. But to like be able to work with all the different types of people, like I think it's definitely like people don't necessarily think about that as much. I think that was an initial barrier thing. Like I heard a lot about that um, after Double or Nothing because I did Sammy Guevara, Kip Sabian. Yeah. And there were a lot of people online who were like, well, it doesn't really make sense that a woman's refing a men's match. I'm like, well, it's just different. It's not something you've seen before. Yeah. It's like, actually, you know, they've been doing this on WWE for a little bit. So yeah. it's just different. And I think like as a society, we see that happen. Like the first time we see something, we're kind of like, huh, this is weird. Yeah. And then eventually it becomes normal. Of course. I was very surprised to see that the first introduction you had to wrestling was WrestleMania 27. Yeah. That which is like historically I, one of like the worst WrestleMania. I was there. <laughs> It was uh, it was Miz and Cena in the main event with The Rock. With The Rock and Fear. Yeah. And then that led up to WrestleMania 28. Yes. Um, there was the there, there was just a lot of like silly things that happened. But so uh, obviously you'd been aware of wrestling, but you hadn't. Like everyone knows wrestling course, exists, right? Yeah. Like everyone's heard of Hulk Hogan, whether or not you've watched it. Sure. Uh, it's all right. Eat your vitamins, brother. <laughs> like, uh, but essentially that year was the one that Stone Cold and The Rock came back. And all of my friends had watched wrestling as kids. So they're like, we should have a WrestleMania party. So we set it up like the Super Bowl. We had like uh, 
our our like potluck food, like this chili cheese dip. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, this is great. We set up like prop bets. Yeah. Like who's gonna win like this and who's gonna win that? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just picking random things. Like I literally knew nothing about wrestling. Like I'm googling the Undertaker during the show. Like to give you an idea of wh where my wrestling fandom was at, like who's this guy? Why are they talking about this streak? Oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah. Like this is a big thing. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool and interesting. And then I think that was the thing that got like my husband back into it. And he's watching for a little bit and this was April, right? And then May I come home from work one day and he's like, hey, I, I need you to watch this thing. I'm like, what, what is it? And I watched the pipe bomb. And that was the thing that like really got me hooked because I hadn't realized at that point how crazy the amount of storytelling you can have within yeah. wrestling. Like what's real, what's not, uh, where does reality bleed into story? Um, and then like the symbiotic relationship between the performers and the audience, which is unlike any other form of media. Like you don't have people in the movie theater clapping and then that kind of like changes the plot of what's happening, right? Like yeah. that, <laughs> that doesn't really happen anywhere yeah, yeah. else. Like my, I did ballet for 20 years and like you just kind of sit in the theater and you watch and then you golf clap when you're done. Like yeah, that's yeah. it. Like I don't get to like suddenly like change what I'm doing because the crowd's like, ooh, they're really hot on this thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, do more tondus. Like <laughs> that's <laughs> not how it works. Tondu? What's a tondu? Uh, it's uh, an extension of the foot. It's actually a pretty basic move. Is it like a plie? Plie is also a very basic move. So like plie and tendu are basic, like are like your, your bread and butter. This is the only move I know. Yeah, yeah. the plie, yeah. the grand plie. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but yeah. So. so the pipe bomb got you into watching every week? <laughs> All right, quick timeout for my chat with Ref Aubrey, because this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Indochino. They were founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. And for me, if I'm going to wear a suit, it's going to be custom made, Ric Flair style, baby. Uh, Indochino is the world's largest made to measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, everything else. And it's all made to your exact measurements so that it fits you correctly. You're not just buying it off the rack and looking like a slob, which is not always the case, but that is often the case. The process here is pretty simple. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, and you submit your measurements. Then two weeks later, the package is delivered straight to your door. Boom. It's a custom suit, just like that. Or you can get measured and they'll design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom. Or you can do it online at Indochino.com. It's your decision. Uh, start your style upgrade now with $30 off your purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when you use the code BLUEWIRE at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. So that's Indochino.com. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. That is an incredible deal on a custom-made suit. A custom-made suit for $3.99 minus the $30, so that's $369. Yeah, you have no more excuse to wear clothing that doesn't fit. The CVV Show also brought to you in this episode by ShipStation, and when you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. I mean, it's time-consuming, it's expensive, there's so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the right choice? Well, that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, saves you money on shipping costs, and it keeps your customers happy. That's the most important part. So no matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, whatever it is, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device. 
even your cell phone, which is likely where you're listening to this right now. That's, that's probably it, right? ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and contrast and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. They even offer big discounts on shipping costs. So now any business can access the same postage discounts that are being reserved for large Fortune 500 companies. So you'll know that you're always getting the best deal. And right now, Blue Wire listeners can try ShipStation for free for 60 days when you use the offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E. So there's absolutely no risk. It's 60 days for free. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. So just head to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone in the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE, B-L-U-E. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code BLUE. It's ShipStation.com, where they make ship happen. Yeah, I started watching every week, and then as like guys like Daniel Bryan, who was probably like my original like favorite wrestler, I'm like watching him going, oh, okay, Google him a little bit. Oh, what is this indie wrestling? And then just suddenly diving down this huge rabbit hole. Was it because he was from close to where you're from? No, I think it was just because uh, like I didn't know that there was an amateur level. Oh, okay. right. Like yeah. I just knew that there was WWE, but it hadn't really dawned on me like where these performers were coming from. Yeah. But then finding out like like that's how I learned about Ring of Honor was watching Daniel Bryan and CM Punk on TV. Uh, and then after that, you learn about Evolve and you learn about like New Japan. It's like oh my god, wrestling's huge in other countries. Like what is this? Um, and then anytime I see a guy on TV, like I'd read up on them and then find out like, oh, like at the time, like Ricochet wasn't signed. Yeah. Uh, and then learning about like Ricochet and Will Ospreay and all these other guys, like Zack Sabre Jr. Um, so I went into it deep. Like I traveled to WrestleMania twice. Which ones? Um, I did 31 in San Jose because yep. it's not too far of a flight for me. And then I did 30, I think it was 32 in Dallas. Yeah. Um, by that point, I was like all in on the women and I loved everything that they did in NXT and I loved that they were given like prime spots on the roster. So for me, that was like a huge thing to see. And then at the time too, like I was a big Cowboys fan, so I really wanted to see the stadium. <laughs> so I was one of those people that waited outside in line for like five hours. Yeah, I was there too. It was oh, insane. God, it, was it, was, awful. it was so tough. It was so they were They were not prepared to have everyone going in at the just same time funnel. it's like oh yeah. they were not ready for that no so at ready. what point did you look at that and go i can do that so i hadn't really ever thought about like this is something i can do um kind of like i had mentioned i did uh, dance for so long so that was my thing that's where i kind of focused on my performance aspect and uh, i got into the local indie wrestling scene in seattle which it kind of died for a bit and it's really kind of had a resurgence um, I found out about this promotion 321 battle and started going to that and it's very like weird wrestling like a little bit Chikara a little bit of hood slam okay um, it's it, it's an interesting show it's it's very funny and it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen because I didn't think you could have like a wrestling match and then all of a sudden go back in time in the middle of the wrestling <laughs> match um, if you've ever seen my video of like me and Sunny Kiss and the dance number yeah it's from that show uh, okay so it's like that's not the craziest thing I've done on that show <laughs> <laughs> if that me if that tells you anything um, so like we had gotten really into watching that and they started offering a school so my husband's like I have to do this or I'm going to regret it I'm wow like, yeah sure I fully support you like you do your thing I got my thing he Great. was gonna go to wrestling school yeah so at, he's actually at what age training. is he going to wrestling school <laughs> like 38 <Wow. laughs> yeah well, he's it's one DDP of those, like, right it's, it's one of those 
you you can always try something, right? Like who knows how long you're going to do it or how, how far you're going to go, right? But yeah. uh, it doesn't hurt to try. Of course. So I was just happy like going to the shows and supporting him and like making all these new friends with like his wrestler friends. And then right around May of 2017, I ended up leaving dance for a number of reasons. Big one is like my body was just broken. Like it's super hard. Like my feet look nasty. Like it's it's just really hard on your body and your joints. Um, and I'm in my early 30s. So that's about when dancers die anyway. Um, Not actually die. No, just like like we we go off to pasture. <laughs> I think they're like you become a dance teacher if you're going to stay in dance sure. a little bit or a choreographer. Yeah. Um, but then at that moment, I didn't realize how important dance was to my, like, giving me an outlet to escape. Yeah, like, like an, an identity too, well, probably. I got really depressed because I just didn't have anything that I was working towards performing. Mm. Like, I, I wasn't on stage anymore. I, I didn't have that thing that was so important to me. And right around that same time, the ref team at 321 Battle comes to me and says, well, we're looking for more refs, and we know you have a performance background. We all already know that you, like, know everyone in the locker room, and you're cool with them so you should just try it out uh so i did and it really sucked like did they just throw you in a match uh we had like a tryout okay so there was a couple practice matches that the wrestlers had set up like there was a, two singles matches and a tag i think all of the guy all of the uh refs got and like i think the biggest thing that was crazy about it is you watch wrestling from the front right yeah so there's a lot of things yeah, that you yeah. can pick up on like facial expressions and like it just wrestling looks a very particular way. So all of a sudden when you're standing behind the wrestlers, you lose a lot of stuff. So I'm just like, I have no idea what they're doing. I have no idea what's going on. Like, oh my God, I'm in the way. What am I doing with my hands? Like I, I, I just looked weird, <laughs> weird and awful and out of my element. Uh, I think I went home and cried. Like it was just wow. like, it felt really weird. So why'd you give it another try? I mean, like you can try something once, but like that may not be the best representation of what it is. And, you know, they told me, like, you know, there's potential here. So you should try and train with us and see what happens. And I trained for two months. They put me on a show in July. And then two years and a couple months later, I'm here. So, wow. yeah, it's like it's it's all hard work, right? Uh, but like, that, that's the biggest thing. And I think that people need to realize this. That right. like, if you want to do something, there is a path to get there. Right. It's like you may not see what someone's putting in but yes. it's like i'm i'm working shows every weekend i'm going to the gym a lot like i'm trying to eat better i'm doing all the things that are necessary to reach this level yeah um there's just so so much to it more than just you know i'm standing in the ring yelling at people there's all of this like i do more prepping to ref than i actually do ref right like if you count like the amount of minutes i'm in a ring like maybe it's like 30 per show sure. tops yeah but it's like how much am I actually, like, I went to the gym last night for an hour and a half. I did yoga this morning. Like, I count both of those as, like, working towards refing, right? Yeah. Like, injury prevention and being ready to be in a ring with guys that are, like, massive, right? Like, yeah. being able to protect myself. Uh, all of those things play into it. Well, I think with that said, I think people don't think that you'll be able to take bumps being a woman refing men's matches. They don't know how that's going to look. But then you look online, you've taken bumps all the time. Oh, man, there was this great shot. It was a defy a while back where, like, Phoenix kicked me in the head to break up a pin. Yeah. And, like, I, I just fall like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, like, a little behind the curtain, like, it, it didn't hurt at all, right? Like, we had talked about it. Like, we knew exactly how it was going to hit. I had complete control of my body. Um, but like when I first started refing, like I did rolls and bumps with all the wrestlers yeah. because I really feel it's important that you understand how to protect yourself in a ring. Like anytime you step into a wrestling ring, even if you've talked about everything and you've planned everything, like you're putting yourself at risk. Mm -hmm. 
and I feel it's the responsibility of the performer to like be fully prepared for that. I think I'm gonna actually put that clip below because I I, <laughs> I watched that bump like ten times in a row. Oh yeah, because the not... crowd reaction is the best part about it. Oh yeah, no, the crowd like they got mega heat. I don't think that they expected that. They're like, oh yeah, we'll just kick it. I'm it's like, just a ref bump. Yeah, it's just a ref bump. I'm like, oh guys, like <laughs> I'm pretty over here. <laughs> like you're, and then like I think Chris Ridgeway's in the match. And you just see his face like, yeah, like he thought I died. <laughs> we literally go through the curtain. He's like, are you okay? I thought you died. <laughs> he's like, those are his words. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. She's just like, oh my god. So it was like, it's it's a moment where all of all of the performance aspects go right. Sure. Where it all lines up perfectly, yeah. and we're all in sync, and it just works. How about a moment where things you know didn't line up and maybe didn't work the way it was supposed to? You were in the ring for the now infamous chair shot. Oh my god. Sean <laughs> uh, Spears on Cody. Oh my god. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna open this with the Young Bucks uh, have uh, already admitted the chair was gimmick. Yeah, right? they, like, we we had a you know long discussion long about discussion it on about our it. show about how the chair was supposed to work. And they I said mean, it was it, supposed to be kind of like a cookie sheet. Right, and I understand like there's there's that element of wrestling like what's breaking kayfabe, what's not, but it's it's 2019, right? Like when someone is concerned about someone's head bleeding, like they want to know like. How, how bad was this? It's like, well, we took the precautions necessary to protect the people. We wanted this storytelling moment. Like, whoever approved it, I don't know. That's above my pay grade. Um, but, you know, the chair was there. We had talked about it. I knew exactly, like, when I needed to step in front of Brandy. I knew when I needed to go to Cody. So I'm just, like, watching Sean waiting for him to leave. And then I look over at Cody, probably the same time as Brandy, and we're just like, oh, that's not supposed to happen. And I like go down and I was like, is, is, is he okay? And I think Brandy asked me if like I'd brought a blood packet out or something. I'm like, no, I think that's his head. Like, <laughs> so like it was totally not intentional. And part of that is like the head, like lip just like caught yeah, him. Yeah. I mean, he, he said he like had like 10 stitches, but no concussion. Um, so luckily, you know, that's, that's a really good outcome for, you know, a horrible, horrible accident. But Accidents always happen in wrestling. Sure. Like, not always, but, like, yeah. it, they always have the potential to happen. Of course. So you have to be ready for that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's what you guys do. You're prepared for that. Yeah, and it's like you can't really practice for that, right? Like, you can't practice that someone's going to blow out a knee in a match. Like, what do you do in that instance? It's like yeah. you just have to be a part of that team in that moment, right? Sure. Like, my primary job as a referee is not to enforce <clears throat> the rules, but to actually make sure that everybody's staying safe. So that if someone's hurt, immediately assessing the situation, communicating to the medical team how bad or it is or like if everything's okay, just because like these are performers and yeah. we want to make sure that they have a long career performing. Um, AEW's invested in a lot of really good people and we want to keep those people around for yeah. a long time, right? Like, so how did the news happen or how did the news get delivered to you that you were going to work the main event oh, championship God. match at Double or Nothing? Oh, this is funny. So kind of reverse a little bit. Uh, so Double or Nothing, I was still on like a like show per show contract I, at that point. I meant to say all out. Sorry. Right. All out. Yeah. All out. We, we knew. We knew. Yeah. 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 Of course. <laughs> it, was, yeah, yeah. it was all out in spirit. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all in two, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so back at Double or Nothing, I was still on a show, uh, show to show contract, and uh, everything had kind of happened. Like I did the two matches there, and that was awesome. And then I'm walking around the back, and I see Cody, and he's like still covered in blood. He's got his towel, whatever. And I'm like, Hey, man, that match was dope. <laughs> he goes, Thanks. You're doing the next one. I'm like, What? <laughs> <laughs> and it like, 
And I was just like, hold on. And I'm like going through the card in my head. I'm like, his next match is with Darby. Oh my God. Like, and I had worked with Darby a number of times because Darby's also from Seattle. Yeah. Um, so at that point it was like, okay, this is great. Like I'm, there's some comfort to this because one of these performers I know really, really well. Like I know Darby's moveset. I know all the crazy stuff that he does. I, I, I think I asked him before the show, like how many coffin drops do you have? <laughs> like it's not a, do you have a coffin drop? Like, of course. I know Darby. <laughs> Um, so then like Cody Darby and I do that match and it, it's honestly like my favorite match I've ever ref now. It's just, it's one of those moments where everything just went right. Uh, and the story we told or we intended to tell was exactly what we wanted to tell. Right. Um, so that night we went out to like celebrate a good show. And I think it was also Cody's birthday or whatever. And I'm just kind of sitting there like eating my fries or whatever. And I hear Cody talking to somebody like, yeah, did you see, did you see Aubrey? Like, she did really good. Like, definitely like loud enough that I can hear. <laughs> I'm like, hey, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. He goes, yeah, you did great. That's why you're doing the Jericho match. I'm like, what? <laughs> 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 I'm like, hold up. <laughs> okay, this is crazy. This got really, really crazy really fast. Because uh, I'm doing the math in my head. Like, I'm not even at two years that point yet. Yeah. I'm a week shy. So I'm like, this is insane. And I'm trying to remember, does Jericho have a... Jericho has to have a match at Fight for the Fallen, right? There's no way they're going to have me do the title. Oh, they're having me do the title match. This is nuts. So, like, I seriously hit the gym and, like, did a lot of cardio and a lot of, like, shoulder lifts because I knew that belt was super heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that was, like, my, like, specific preparing. Because, um, I mean, like, we've all watched Jericho, right? Like, I've seen how many Jericho matches. Like, I don't think there's really much I could really study out of that. It's like, it's Chris freaking Jericho. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, that was... I knew for a little bit, and I was just kind of like, are they, are they going to, like, are they really going to do this? Like, is this going to be a thing? And then uh, show up at Chicago for All Out. We're, like, in line doing, like, medical stuff. And Cody's like, yeah, you're doing, you know you're doing the main, right? I'm like, yeah, man, I heard. Yeah, it's good. And I'm, like, way more chill about it now. <laughs> less, less panicked, like, squealing. <laughs> so, yeah, that, was, that did, was how that happened. Did you plan out the spot where, where Jericho, or you get in Jericho's face? Yeah, I mean, we had talked about that, right? Like, we wanted a moment to enforce, like, who he is as a character, who I am as an official. Mm -hmm. um, it also... You know, it's it's one of those moments that allows you to tell a story. So it was something that we had talked about, but like in the moment, I didn't really know what I was going to say. So I think the first thing I say is like, don't you talk to me that way, but he hadn't actually said anything yet. <laughs> and that's how you can tell how nervous I am. <laughs> that I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. Like, uh, what are no, the first words out of my but mouth? But nobody knows what you're saying. Oh, nobody knows what I'm saying. And I could hear him like, but I can't I, hear what he's saying, right? But all like, it looks like is, I think I was actually loud enough that the cameras picked up on it. Cause like my coach texts me and he's like, Hey, so he didn't actually say anything. Even though you told him not to talk that way. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I, he's like, you were really nervous. I thought you said something along the lines of I'm the referee. I'm the official. Yeah. Like, don't treat me that way. Yeah. Like I eventually got there, <laughs> which is very quick. I think the first thing out of my mouth was like, this isn't right. <laughs> But it, it, it served its purpose. It served its purpose. Yeah. I mean, like, it, it got Jericho the heat he needed. For sure. Um, it, I, I think, like, it it put the focus on me the way that AEW wanted to. Yeah. Like, it kind of goes back to that moment of, do we believe that women could actually ref men's matches? And I think that moment happening is like, oh, yeah. No, because, like, Jericho can't 
like get in my face, right? Because I literally can end this match yeah. if he pushes back too much. Right. So it just really solidifies what the official's role in is a wrestling, like independent of gender, right? Sure, of course. It solidifies what an official does in a match. Yeah. So if we take this, if we take this back a bit, it was your husband who started in the wrestling training that led into you doing this. Yeah. As your husband debuted? Oh yeah, he's actually okay. like a uh, tag champ at three oh. battle right now. Congratulations <laughs> then. Yeah, I think it's wow. like his third reign. Like they're pretty over. Okay, that's great. <laughs> he wrestles as um is Dante Smythe. He's like an '80s parody of a goth guy. He's a it's my Legion of Gloom T-shirt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I told you it was weird, right? Um, but yeah, it's like no, he's he's having a good time with it. Have I, you refed his matches? Oh, oh, all the time. Okay. Uh, I think they they have me do it on purpose just to like see like are they gonna break like. <laughs> but I've had a lot of fans come up to me and go like, wait, you're you're marrying that guy? It's like yeah, you wouldn't know because we're both at work, right? Sure. Like the moment yeah. we're in the ring, like, and that's um, a three to one battle. I'm Girl Hebner. Like that's where, that's where that name came from. What a great name. <laughs> yeah. So that was, uh, I was trying to come up with like a ref name and we had a guy named, uh, Wario Lopez at the time and he had like the, the crinkly mustache, like Wario and it was painted yeah. black and white stripes. <laughs> so I was like, I need a name that's better than Wario Lopez. And my husband was actually the one that came up with it or like getting coffee or whatever. He goes, you could be girl Hebner. <laughs> Like, well, the discussion's over. Like, that's just too good, right? And it's like, like it's G-E-A-R-L. Yeah. yeah, it's just literally Earl with a G. Um, <laughs> so that was always funny because then when I heard that Earl Hebner was announced for AEW, I'm like, oh, we're going to broach this topic, aren't we? <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> so I get off the plane in Vegas. I go to the hotel and literally within like seconds of walking to the hotel, I see Earl Hebner and Justin Roberts. And Justin Roberts, who I've never met before, goes, well, looky here. And it's Justin Roberts' voice. Well, looky here. It's girl and Earl. <laughs> and Earl Hubner kind of looks at me like not really like realizing. Like, yeah, you're a girl. You're, you're, yeah. you're a girl. Yeah, yeah whatever. Because um, Earl doesn't know me. Like, yeah. who the hell am I, right? Like, this is Earl Hebner. I'm just this little like two-year baby zebra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we get to talking. Like, we play, exchange pleasantries and stuff. They're having a conversation. We're just like, you know, getting to know each other like as coworkers now, right? And at one point, Justin looks at me and goes, so, so you're going to tell him? And I look at Earl, and Earl's like, tell me what? I'm like, well, my, my name on the indies is Girl Hebner. And he goes, oh, that's funny. Oh, that's, how do you spell that? Like, G-E-A-R-L. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's, that's clever. I like that. And then we took a picture, and it was, it was super fun. And by the end of the weekend, he was calling me G. Hebner. So I, th I think he approves of the, the, the nickname. That's so. fantastic. Yeah, so uh, could have gone completely differently. So I'm uh, glad it was man. with the most positive route possible. Although girl habit, or sorry, baby zebra might be the best thing you've said in this whole interview. Oh, man, yeah. I mean, like wow. refs are always zebras, right? Like we well, Yeah, but baby stretch. zebra. Well, I mean, compared to the rest of the ref team, right? <laughs> like, baby zebra. Well, that's, a, that's the intimidating thing is I'm looking at all these guys that are getting announced. Like Paul Turner's been with like Ring of Honor for how long? Like he's got this incredible background, this television experience. Rick Knox is like one of my idols. Like I learned so much from him on the indies. Bryce Remsburg, like he's yeah. the friggin' goat. Um, and then like I get announced, I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> like all these guys have like over 15 years of experience, minimum, probably more. Like I'm probably not even doing them justice. So like for me to be announced along with them in the same fashion, I was like, whoa, this is insane. Yeah. And that was probably the thing that was the most coolest out of the gate was I'm just treated like any other official. 
Like I get announced the same, sure. I get treated the yeah, same. As you should. As I should. I just spend more time in the makeup chair. Like that's but, really the only difference. But, but honestly though, that brings me to an interesting point. Like how much makeup do you want to wear? Because you want to be feminine, but at the same time want to be authoritative. Right. You know, there's this interesting balance. Right. Um, so that's been kind of one of the things that I've been working with and trying to figure out the entirety of my career because Referee is obviously a very masculine role, right? There's there's not a lot of ladies. So finding out how can I add my own little personal twist to it without taking away from the match, right? Like, so like I paint my nails every show um, and they match the color of the poster of the show that I'm on. Which, hey. like WrestleMania weekend, I brought like 12 bottles of nail polish because I'm like literally in the New Jersey train like changing my nails. Like it's ridiculous. It was a really bad idea. I didn't plan out the long-term <laughs> nature of that. Uh, so yeah, I've got uh, red and blue today for the Washington DC show. Um, and then like I wanted to wear makeup because I'm a performer. Like I always wear makeup and dance because yeah. it looks better in pictures and it looks better on film. Yeah. With all the lights, I don't want to look washed out. I want to have facial features that are present because that's how I tell a story, yeah. right? Like how I'm reacting to things. Mm. So the makeup is completely intentional, but at the same time, I'm like, how do I look a little bit more feminine? Well, it's like, well, the lady wrestlers are all wearing, you know, they got their the fake eyelashes, they've got their lipstick and stuff. I'm like, I can do that too. Like, I'm just kind of kind of present myself the same way that they mm -hmm. present themselves. And then like putting my hair back in a ponytail is like more of a functional thing just because like roughing with your hair and your face is a little <laughs> difficult, right? Like you can't really see anything. You become like the girl from the ring. I know, she's, yeah. oh my God. And it's an easy way for heels to like, you know, cheek if I can't see because ah, I've got yeah. like a massive amount oh, of hair there in my it face. Is. Um, but like I get my clothes tailored to like be a little bit more feminine cut. Um, so it's just little things like that. Um, and I think part of that is drawing the focus that, you know, I am a woman doing a traditionally masculine role. So how does a woman present herself in that? It's, it's an interesting place to be because it hasn't really been done a lot before. Yeah. What do you think was the biggest tip that you were given from from going to the indies to then going to shows that had TV cameras? Ooh, um, I mean, the biggest thing with TV cameras is to not, like, stand in the way of the roaming cameras. I'm sure those guys get a lot of, like, I call them zebra butts, where, like, they're just standing there, and then, like, a yeah. ref stands directly in front of them, and I'm like, <laughs> I feel so sorry, guys. Because like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep track of the hard camera, the two roaming cameras, the photographers, and the wrestlers all at the same time. And like I do my best, but somebody ends up getting screwed. <laughs> sure, but but also there's enough cameras, especially at a show like AEW, where if they're going to catch the angle they want, of right? Course. Like let's of let's, course. let's hope, right? I don't want to no, make anyone's, jar, anyone's job harder. Um, I think that's really the big one. Um, like a lot of the lessons that I learned from the indies, like immediately translated, right? Like from a wrestling standpoint, it's just at a higher level with people who have been doing it for longer. But I think with like the cameras and the lights. Uh, like timing is everything, right? Like if you have two hours to broadcast, like you cannot have a match go over. Whereas I yeah. think like indie shows are notorious for starting like 15 minutes late, right? Always. Yeah, so it's like, no, you gotta start on time, you gotta end on time, yeah. you gotta hit your times yeah. because we don't want the main event like not on TV. Yeah. Because <laughs> everything else went over earlier, right? Yeah. I think they talked about that at all in. Like the main event was supposed to go 25 minutes and it ended up going eight. Yeah. Just because everything else ran so long. So it's a thing that happens. Um, so I think being more pushy about that, like, guys, we are literally running over. Like, I need you to finish this match. Yeah. <laughs> like, but how can you, how do you relay that to wrestlers without the cameras catching you being like, 
The match needs to end now, guys. Oh man, so we'll talk about some secrets, but oh, like, okay. like if I'm talking like submissions, I'm like, do you give? Do you give? Guys, you got two minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's the difference between like an inside voice and an outside yeah, voice. Yeah. Like when you're in a library and you're whispering, versus like when you're yelling at somebody. It's like when I'm yelling instructions, I want the people in the crowd to hear it. Of course, if possible. Like yeah. obviously, not everyone in the crowd's gonna hear it when you've got a big stadium, but uh, I, I. I, I'm there to help enforce what's happening, so the fans need to hear that too. They don't need to hear everything. Like a lot of times, yeah. I'll go in and be like, "Dudes, that was awesome. <laughs> you okay? That bump looked gnarly." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we'll have just full conversations. Like, "Hey, what are you doing after this, bro?" Like, <laughs> it is surprisingly quiet in a wrestling ring. Like for y- y- until somebody bumps, and then it's real loud. For for sure. But like with all the people that are around, it's surprising that like if if we talked at this level, no one would hear. But we would hear each other, oh, yeah, we which is amazing. Yeah, it's it's yeah. weird that like it's almost like there's these acoustics, yeah, these walls that are invisible that just kind of keep the the right noise in. Yes, and then put the right noise out. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing that takes practice. Yeah. Um, if it's something that like like I got to practice it in training, and there's a lot of places that I work that I worked on the indies where we had earpieces and ways to communicate. Right. Oh wow. And part of that is like being able to explain injuries to people like, oh, they're, they're okay, you know, just give them, give them some time to breathe, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but being able to communicate to people in the back, because a lot of times, like, I'll have two-way. Um, so it's an easy way for the people who need to know, like, how the talent's doing for me to communicate back to them. Right, right. Well, I think that you're a great story of setting a, a dream, chasing after it. Just go. And making it happen. Yeah, I want to learn how to swim. Just jump in the water. Seriously. Because there's a lot of people watching this right now that want to do what you do or right. want to do what I do or want to do whatever it is that they want to do. And they are afraid to take the first step. You just have to jump. Like, it's scary. It's never not scary, right? Like, I get nervous for every show. Uh, it's just when the nerves kick in and how nervous I, it, it is is different. I think the last couple shows, like anytime like the plane lands in the city, I'm like, oh god. <laughs> but like this one, it hasn't hit me yet. But I'm sure once we get to the arena, it'll hit. But what what about like taking it back ten steps from there? What if someone's watching this and wants to be a referee, male or female? I mean, like find a wrestling school. Like you don't necessarily need to be a wrestler first. Like I didn't fully train to wrestle. Um, I took bumps and I rolled, and you know I I know kind of basic stuff, but you know I I never wrestled. Uh, but my wrestling school offered ref training. Uh, not a lot of wrestling schools do, but it's worth calling and asking. I think that most wrestling schools would bring in a ref because they have those matches all the time. In they the, do. You have practice matches in yeah. the middle of class, so it's like you're going to get those reps that you need to be yeah. on the show. And even then, it's great to learn to work with the talent that you'd be working on the show. Like There's guys I work with where I'm like, okay, are you using this finish or this finish? Just because I work with them so of much, course, right? Sure, like, yeah. Um, like, like I had said, like working with Darby, like I know his moveset, I know what to expect. It's, it's makes it a lot easier to play off of each other yeah. when we have that trust built in yeah. and that just comes from reps. Well, I'm, I'm so excited for you. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yay. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, congratulations. Thank you. On everything. It's been also, fun. you know, today is the day of the show. So thank you for taking <gasps> the time to do this. Yeah. No problem, man. It got me out of bed. <laughs> it's not, it's not that early. It's, it's pretty early for wrestling. We call time's not, not till 2. So. We did it at 10 a.m. That's, <laughs> That's true. I did wake up. I had a nice breakfast. I me did too. some yoga. I did not see you at breakfast. No. I, I kind of like hid in the corner because I hadn't had coffee yet. So I was uh, like, uh. <laughs> you don't want to talk to me before coffee. <laughs> it's not a pretty picture. <laughs> There's a reason we did 10 a.m. Like, <laughs> I did you a favor. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but 
I'm, I'm super proud of you. Thank I'm you. pumped for you, and uh, I can't wait to see where things go from here. Thanks, man. I'm oh. just excited to be here. Thank you. There you go, my friend. How fun was that? How fun is Aubrey? A big thanks to Ref Aubrey for the great conversation. And yeah, Ref Aubrey is where you can find her on social media. I am at Chris Van Vliet if for some reason you don't already follow me. If you want to know who I'm interviewing next, and I get a lot of tweets and Instagram messages like, hey, who are you interviewing next? Well, the answer is just look at my feed. I always post a story or I put it on Instagram exactly who I'm interviewing next. So at Chris Van Vliet. Um, and if you enjoyed this, please take a screenshot, uh, tag both Aubrey and I, share it with a friend, uh, let someone know uh, about this interview, and uh, let's continue growing this thing. Um, isn't it crazy to think she's only been doing this for two years in this journey as a referee, and now she's refing the biggest matches? Chris Jericho's asking for her to be the ref of her match. Um, man, the future is so, so bright here. And... You definitely need to see the video to see that sick ref bump we talked about from Phoenix. It's sick. And, and great, great that it looked good but didn't actually hurt at all. So you got to check that out. Um, th- if you saw the YouTube video, you saw at the wrap-up, I was in my hotel room getting ready for Dynamite that night, and I had my suit jacket there. And because it's a custom suit jacket, you can put any monogramming on the inside that you want. So I have a quote in there from Tony Robbins that I think is really applicable to that night and just applicable to life in general. Decisions determine destiny. And it's not luck. It's not happenstance. It's the decisions in your life that lead to the things that happen in your life. Decisions determine destiny. And I appreciate you making the decision to listen to this. Uh, You're awesome. And uh, if you're not already having a great week, but I'm sure you are. Have a great week. If you are having a great week, have an even better one now.